What up, what up, what up? We are back with another episode of Between Two Posts. I think we're on like episode 30-something now. Um, for everybody tuning in week to week, we are uh, excited to come back with another uh, another episode. No three, four-month break. I think our last break was like six months unannounced. So we are very <laughs> excited. Well, Kyle's still in France, so I guess I'm just excited. But uh, Kyle will be coming back from France soon. Hopefully, we'll get him on an episode again. But uh, very excited. We have a Calder Cup champion and just recently signed to Florida and uh, a very good guy, Ivy Leaguer, Alex Lyon here with us. Alex, how are you? Wow, I'm doing great. Uh, what an introduction and um, just here to happy to promote the Vaughn brand a little bit more, however I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like just like you did a few months ago. <laughs> a little bit of press? <laughs> a little bit of press? Uh, no, uh, no press is bad press, right? That's what they say. Exactly. Yeah, you're uh yeah, you're a showman there. Um so Alex, I want to start you off with a an absurd fact. Um besides New York City and besides um the Big Apple, did you know what New York was originally called at one point? No, no clue. New York was briefly named New Orange. And when the Dutch captured New York from the English in 1673, they renamed it New Orange in honor of William the Third of Orange, uh, but then obviously England brought that back, and they said, "No, nah, not today, buddy." Wow. Well, there's a lot of oranges around here. I don't know if you like New Jersey has a couple oranges. Um, really? Connecticut has an old orange. Yeah, like Orange County is in New Jersey is like a super affluent uh, area. So I don't probably know. full it's of Dutch people, then, huh? Probably, yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm trying out new bits here and, uh, some of them are landed, some of them aren't. Hey, you're 29, right. you're turning the big three. Oh, I mean, are you in panic mode this year or what? Yeah. Um, is it all over? Is this, is this it? Oh <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. How, how old are you? I, uh, I'm going to turn 29 this year. I'm, I'm a 93 October, okay. uh, 93. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's awful. I mean, I'm sure you feel it, but, but it, oddly enough, everybody that I've talked to about 30 years old uh, says it's not that bad. And they say like, oh, you kind of haven't figured out a bit, you know, 30s to 40s is usually pretty good from what I hear. Um, I guess that depends if you're ascending or descending at this point in your life. So that's (laughs) kind of probably person to person. But so you're saying me peaking in high school is going to be tough hitting 30. Yeah, that's. That's going to be tough. I'm probably not going to peak until I'm hoping like 65, 70 yeah. in that range. So, no, I don't know. I mean, it's it's scary. Growing up is definitely scary. And especially when you're a professional athlete and you have a, you know, expiration date on just about every part of your body <laughs> below your shoulders. So it's like, it's tough in that respect. But I don't know, in terms of life management, I'm kind of, I kind of, Late twenties, early thirties, I feel like is a good time. I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like it's pretty good. You're hitting kind of like that sweet spot wheelhouse, right? Where you kind of got your feet under you, your finances, you understand a little better. Yeah, you know, you're not you're not you're just a ripe twenty one, twenty two, just running around, buzzing around, being an idiot. Right, right. I actually remember. <laughs> I'll never forget this. I told my mom one time when I was at Yale, and like at Yale, I was like loafers, you know. All that guy, like country. Oh, I want to be in the country club guy so bad. Kind of going your best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so I remember telling my mom one time, like, 
I found it. Like, I'm never going to change. This is just going to be me. I'm going to be at Tao rooftop every weekend. Oh, the rest yeah. of my life. You know, <laughs> I'm going to be going to fancy dinners. And I remember just her look. It was like, all right. Yeah. 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 But now obviously you turn the corner a bit and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm never going back there again. That's for sure. Yeah, you kind of you got to figure it out eventually. But uh, yeah, there's that that one point in time between like anywhere from 20 to 25 where you're like, no, this is this is it. Ragers every is weekend going out Wednesdays, <laughs> Thursdays, half off nights, ladies night. This is this is me. I mean, this is I can do this till I turn 60. This is sweet. I love it. Um, do you ever so so here's a, here's a kind of a life. Sorry if this is just going to turn into a life podcast. But so I, I sometimes feel like when I'm really hung over at right now at this phase of my life i'm like did i feel this bad all the time when i was 22 23 it's just like you're but you're just so used to it that your body doesn't even understand how badly you feel is it, or is you just that much more resilient at that age i think it's i think it's resiliency and getting tough because there were some times where i thought like your borderline like i went to michigan state and i'm like this might be a hospital trip and then you wake up right. <laughs> and your friends say, hey, like there's a game today. We're going down like we're going down the road to pregame and then we're going to a yeah. house party kickoffs at 1155, whatever. And then you're like, yeah, let me shower ah. and let, get a shower beer going and we're good to go. And like that's we're just good. how it was. Yeah. We're yeah. now now you like we had uh, we had the equipment manager show for the NHL, HL, all pro equipment managers and then trainers, too, on the other side. But obviously we don't have anything for trainers. Um, that was in Marco Island and with a couple tough nights there, you know, like you're out kind of, kind of late, you're getting out there three to four. We're hanging out with all the equipment guys that we talked to and, you know, that we're friends with and stuff. And man, like <laughs> it took me probably like a week of recovery, just trying to get some sleep in and like the, <laughs> the bounce back from those hangovers is it's tough, but you got yeah. it's what I've been saying all summer this, this year, you just got to get tough, right? Show some grit. You got to get tough. That is true. You got to get that wear on your body and then, but probably not. It'd probably just feel terrible the next day. Yeah. I mean, it's like three IPAs, like two, three IPAs. Oh, you're you're toast. Can't function. It's crazy. Um, so Alex, I wanted to read you. I doubt you've ever read it. Um, but I wanted to go over what elite prospects has as a summary for you as a goaltender. I just thought this was very interesting. You are, Alex Line is a very technique-oriented goalie that combines quick reflexes with sound positional play. He has superior core and lower body strength exhibited through quick cross-crease pushes and smooth lateral movement. Quick glove hand that doesn't get beat very often. He isn't very scrambly and accurately predicts where the puck is going to hit him and where it will be redirected to if he doesn't hold on to it. Analyzes odd man situations well and is always a step ahead. What do you think of that? Um, I, I actually think that's uh, – I have read a lot of elite prospect summaries, and I think a lot of them are wrong. I don't think that that's completely off. But it's also tough for me to tell. Like, just at this point in my career, things are just like – I'm so far down the rabbit hole in, like, how I think of the game versus what somebody else might see in my game, if that makes sense. Yep. Um that it's tough for me to like really tell. So you could probably give it, I mean, that sounds pretty like basic and uh, 
my glove hand definitely isn't that good, so I don't know. No, I wish they would have tuned. I wish they would have tuned that up <laughs> just a little bit more. Of like incredible glove hand, nothing beats him. If you're thinking nothing. of shooting glove, no chance, buddy. <laughs> he obviously didn't read the pregame report because his glove is phenomenal. Oh yeah, I mean it's well, it's just not true. So maybe, but it also <laughs> makes me think like like in my head as a goalie, this is just how my brain works. I don't even want to talk about this just in case somebody who's going to shoot on me is going to listen to this. And I don't want them to have that one goal a year that, that could. Yeah, it's like, but I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's just tough to tell because like now the way I think about the game, I just have tried to simplify it into like two or three things that I need to focus on. Yeah. And the rest is just, I'm, is what it is. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't talk to too many other goalies at this point in my career, so I don't have much like what other guys are doing at this point in time. I'm sure you have a way better feel for that, but uh, wow, that's the Chicago Wolves locker room. I was trying to figure out what that was. That's awesome. I'm in the room, Did you baby. Did a picture of that? I'm, did you I'm take a picture of that? Rooms. No, I uh, did some quick Googling, and I found the sick background. The, the walk-up and the, the trophies is pretty sweet. So, Wow, that's a, that is awesome. That is <laughs> um, awesome. I wanted to bring up, I mean, I'm just kind of all over here because I'm, I'm freewheeling it here, but Lion, has anyone ever told you that you look like, I don't know how to say his name, but Penn Badgley? Do you know who that is? No. It's the Who's guy. That? Have you ever watched the show You on Netflix? <laughs> yeah, actually, I do know exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been, yeah nobody I've been knows called this name. guy before. Yeah. <laughs> I've been called this guy before. The you, I actually have like three or four people that I get, mis- John Snow pretty like he's my number one probably. oh that's a big one that's huge yeah. oh i'm that's my number one that's why i threw it out there first and second is vincent chase from entourage so those are my, my two best ones yep um i don't really know that guy but i think i have a lot of lookalikes but i'm not nearly as good i'm not nearly as good looking in person as i am in a picture so, <laughs> so i think people yeah i get really lucky yeah so that's see the the Chicago the Chicago headshot was definitely it for me. I was like, oh, that looks like that guy from that one show. Um, and then you look up him, and it's like, oh yeah, that's definitely him. Just full oh, beard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me that's yeah, not you see, walking around New York. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that, especially because this guy's in uh, this guy's in. Oh, uh, uh, what's the show about the upper class like teenagers? Um, Euphoria? New... No, it's an older show. Gossip Girl. He's oh yeah, Girl. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right there. He actually, <laughs> he is Gossip. He is Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it kind of fits the narrative and everything too. Because I love Gossip too. So everybody loves Gossip, but I love Gossip. <laughs> A little sewing circle kind of guy, Alex. Yeah, everybody loves gossip. I, I think everybody loves it. They just are, It depends if you're willing to admit it to yourself or not. Well, the whole thing is who doesn't want to know or have the in on something, right? Like you got to like yeah. want to know that stuff, right? Yeah, and then I love walking around and being like, guess what I got? <laughs> guess what I got? <laughs> guess what this guy knows that you don't? <laughs> oh, man. Exactly. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Um. No social media for you. No Instagram page. I couldn't stalk you. No Twitter, Facebook. Can't no. find anything. You're an, you're an off the radar guy. Did you figure that out at Yale? Like you you got to stay off the the socials or what? 
Yeah, you got to stay off the socials. Well, I, for me, my brain, I have to stay off the socials for my brain. Um, just because when I, especially when I was like my younger professional, there were times when you would have a good game, bad game, etc., and you oh. do the obligatory type your name in on Twitter to see what the fans are saying about you. Yeah. And I just found out quickly that it really it, it it either pull you in one direction or the other. You just have the super high highs, the super low lows. And I feel like maybe you could manage that a little bit better as a player, but I think as a goalie, one of the most critical parts of consistency is keeping an even level brain whether things go good or bad. And so I just made an effort to stop thinking about hockey in terms of winning and losing. And I just started to think about it as like a process and more of a journey. Um, and it really helped my consistency in my game. So that's, that, that's the ultimate reason I got rid of it. Man, you're uh, you should have been on end goal. Cause you'd give, you give some incredible breakdowns. Um, but I think to, to what you're saying and like to add on it, uh, the thing is it turns into quicksand. Um, right. because like, I'm a big, I don't know. It's I don't know how this gets received anymore, but I turned into a Barstool fan like over the last four years. It started out watching Dave Portney's, Portnoy's uh, the slap shot thing, the challenge when he'd have players in. Love and, that. Yep. And then it turned into like I was watching stool scenes because I wanted to see how things operate from like a social media standpoint. Like, oh, how can I like recreate this or how could we do something like this with Vaughn and like do cool goalie behind the scenes stuff and like learning how to do video and all that and then it turned into like listening. Uh, obviously, like I, I'll listen to Chicklets, um, but I'm not a huge Chicklets guy. Like I get enough hockey as it is. I listen to some of their comedy podcasts. Um, but the one thing I've learned from them and the Yak, and when they talk about like meeting people or like reading mean tweets and stuff, and it's like a thousand people could say great things about you. Like Alex Line had a great game. They took the loss, but like he had 39 of you know 42 saves. You know whatever. And then that one yeah. person that just tears you apart and says Alex Lyon like is so bad, like his vision's off, whatever. Some media right. take or like, oh, it just doesn't seem like Alex Lyon's ready for the next step. Blah blah blah. Exactly. You focus on the one negative, and you won't even yes. see one, the one thousand positive comments or one thousand positive takes. You know, and that's right. that's I I like where you kind of went with that. Is like you don't want to get stuck reading all the negative, negative. No, you, you're spot on. And, and I think that what made me realize it the most was what you just described was exactly what I went through. But then I started to realize, okay, the one negative comment is like X, Y, Z, Flyers fan 500. It was just like a bot or something. And it's just this one guy who's like, dude, this guy's blocker hand is so bad. And it's like, you don't know anything about hockey. Yeah. Like no, I mean, not to. I never would want to slander fans like like that, because everybody. That's what makes sports and entertainment great. Ultimately, is fans. So like, yep. everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome to have an opinion. But just for my own personal sake, I don't like to lend credence to comments like that. So yeah, exactly what you're talking about. Well, it's it's the same thing here. And like one of my favorite goalies growing up was Jimmy Howard. Still is. Um, and like I grew up watching him from the Grand Rapids when he was in Reebok, like P1s or P2s, where he got his first couple yeah. of games. And then as he switched into the ice, or uh, not, yeah, the, the, iceberg, the Jimmy Howard right iceberg, yeah. Um, 
I was always a huge fan. And like he has, he takes so much criticism. But you look at like Kemp's, you look at Chris Osgood, guys like that have taken so much criticism. Oh, he can't do this. He can't do that. And at the end of the day, what does Kemper have to do? What does Osgood have to do to win Stanley Cups? They had to get in there and make a couple saves, right? They had to do right. well enough to not blow this. So from yeah. a fan standpoint, I see what you're looking at. Not everybody's going to be Andre Vasilevsky. Not everybody's going to be the greatest goalie ever. But to do what they do at the level that they do it at, they are excellent athletes. And you know what? Right. Like you said, fans are fans. Like some just loved hockey because they watched it. Now we're in. We're hooked, which is awesome. We want that. But like not everybody has a full understanding of what goes on in locker rooms, what goes on in a guy's life that can change the way he is or playing, getting hot, getting cold, whatever. And like the way the game actually, like the intricacies, you know, that some people don't understand. And when you fire off a tweet because you put 500 bucks on a, a minus 150 for like <laughs> Chicago Wolves to win and you lose, maybe you'd blow off some steam by trying to chirp Alex <laughs> Line, I guess. Uh, that's the way she goes. But like, right. you know, you just got to kind of take it with a grain of sand. But I do like, you know, from a social media standpoint, you kind of figured it out that like, hey, maybe this isn't something to dig into. But I do have to ask. Did you, were you learning that from like vets when you were at Lehigh as your first year pro, or did you have to kind of go through that on your own and think, oh no, like on your own, just say, oh, this is stupid. I'm tired of reading whatever news this is. Yeah, I think a lot of it. So I, I, I largely view myself as a goalie and an athlete, as somebody who isn't extremely talented, not, I mean, you've seen me without a shirt on it's not an extremely pretty sight like i'm not a physically gifted i don't know necessarily human being pretty good you got i'm six feet tall (laughs) yeah i'm six feet tall like i could use a couple but but like i just have always seen myself in my game as having to uh find the edges of where i can get better where other people aren't necessarily getting better and i remember one time i was with somebody at the flyers i was hanging out at his apartment and he said Man, all right, time to go on Twitter today and see how many Flyers fans are are ripping me today. Mm-hmm. He said that, and I just uh, I remember thinking, okay, thank God that I, a I'm not the only one doing this. And it made me realize that every single player is is doing that, and every single athlete is. And it's like if people want to claim that they don't understand the social media narrative around them, they're lying. I just think that players have an understanding especially young players are much more dialed into Twitter, but I, it initially came when I was like, okay, how can I separate myself from these other people? This is one way I can do it. If I am not uh, tainted by social media on a day-to-day basis, and if I can keep a more even keel, I can become a better goalie. And so that was a big motivating factor. And then I would say after that, I, I just feel much more, I feel much more clear without social media in my brain on a day-to-day basis. And there are days when I would say it's tough for me to really relate to people or my teammates. Uh, obviously references. So, you know, pop culture, TikTok. go down the list. You're, you're, yeah. you're off on TikTok dances, huh? <laughs> never even like, at least with Facebook and Twitter, I know a bit, but like, I've never even been on TikTok, but but it, it's just like it's. I'm not. I'm not here to like try and be like. Yeah, I'm this morally amazing human for not being on social media. I try to tell everybody that it's just like I think much more clearly without it, and I play better goalie without it. But there is limiting factors. Like I'm sure I could probably get some more money 
promotional type things. If I wanted to be outrageous on Twitter, I probably could have responded to me giving middle fingers to the entire AHL. You know, I probably could have responded to that on Twitter in some capacity, but it's just like, I just, I don't, I try very hard not to live my life digitally. Yep. Um, but I am addicted to it. I mean, I think we're all on some level addicted to it. Right. So it's like, I, I am well aware of that as well. No, man. I, I, I think I know for a fact I am unfortunately, but it's allowed me to put us in a spot where like, I understand how to like, you know, when I do have free time, work, Instagram, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, kinda, like, get oh, it's stuff great out there for us, which is it's important for us as a company. But um, do I check my own stuff way too much? And I, like, I have no reason to. Yeah. And I'm on it too much. Yeah. Screen time's bad. But uh, you yeah. kind of just you figure it out. Like I deleted TikTok a while ago because the jokes like the the comedy wasn't there and people just kept recreating like you stuff and right just, just trying to get funny. clicks and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but last night i was on it and it gave me a bunch of ideas for questions today so like oh. it, it, it's a kind of it's a it's it's got a double-edged sword there but um i do want to so, so go if ahead. you don't mind me just asking quickly yeah. about you have do you think that you've found a healthy balance or because i haven't been on it for probably four or five years now and i feel i just feel like that part of my I'm, it's out of my life like i just mm. it's like an which it's is out. great do you feel like you can achieve now that you're a little older, like you understand how you think? Cause I just feel like as a 21 year old, it's easy to just scroll through that thing all day. Like, do you feel like you found a better balance with that? Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is it's, it's only when there's downtime, like you'll catch me like on it, but I am also the type of person like, uh, so dev camp week, uh, I'm sure you, well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Oh yeah. You would have back in the day when you were at devs, like, we hit all the teams that we can. So I banged yeah. out like St. Louis. I was in a different city every day. And every time I was doing a layover or I'm in the airport, I would look around and people do like, I just call it the neck bend where they're completely bent and they're looking down at their phone. And it's like, Oh my God, your neck's just shot. And I'm just not <laughs> on my phone all the Like, I think I'm on it a yeah. lot, but when you look yeah. at people around you in public, like you get on like subway, everybody's looking yeah. at their phone and i'm like yeah. when yeah. i'm there i'm usually with my friend but even when i'm traveling by myself i'm never always just dialed into my phone looking at something because right. there's so right. much going on around you or like when you're walking out on like in downtown detroit or down anywhere in new york city in the boroughs people walk around and they're just staring into their phones all the time and i'm like just look yes. like, look around so i right. i'm at a point where i spend i feel too much time on it but when i look at everybody else i'm thinking oh like it, it could be worse so <laughs> yeah yeah hey no i mean that's i'm i mean don't get me wrong like i don't i'm if i would be lying if i didn't spend two to three hours a day watching youtube videos so it's yeah. like i have my own form of digital addiction it's just yeah. like it that but so everybody it's, it's inescapable i guess is what i'm trying yeah. to say yeah um it's just one of those things that, you know, being uh, 92, 93, like you kind of grew up with it. You had ale. Like I always ask people for right. screen names and there's certain kids that we get on here that are like younger than us that did, never had aim, no screen names, no MySpace, like Facebook to them is like barely <laughs> yeah. a thing anymore. It was just Twitter, Instagram. So like yeah. we grew up with it and like we had the coming of video games and like the way digital media changed and how accessible it was. I still remember like you could take DVD players in your car and like that was the coolest thing, right? And now yeah. you can watch DVDs oh everywhere. So that was like the original yeah. iPad kid was like, you just watch DVDs all day. So yeah, um, 
I don't know. Life's always changing. It's always evolving. You just got to kind of figure it out and make your own decisions and find your balance. Right. Um, right. But Lion, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly. You're from Bodet, Minnesota. Pretty good. Bot Bodet. It's actually just like B apostrophe D, but but Bodet's pretty good. Yeah, Bodet, I guess, is the perfect pronunciation. So you're from Bodet, Minnesota. I looked that up. Yeah. Um, I forgot your high school. I didn't write your high school hockey name. Uh, Lake L- Lady of the Lake, Lake of the Woods, Lake of the Woods. Okay, that was close. Um, yep. and you're basically Canadian. You could not have been more further north in Minnesota. Like I thought, like the Iron Range was like pretty far up there. You're past the range, man. Like you're you're Canadian. Yep. <laughs> what was yeah, it like up there. growing up there? And like I had to make sure that your high school was still in Bodette and you played hockey yeah. like there. So you grew you fully grew up playing hockey there. Yeah, I did. I mean, I had I had a pretty unique experience. I never left high school. I graduated, stayed there my whole career. Town of 950 people. Uh, graduated with 35 kids. Super small. <laughs> yeah, like Walmart, closest Walmart, two hours away. Um, so it's, it's, it's not just like a suburb or a small suburb. It's literally in the middle of nowhere. Um, so it, it was... I mean, I didn't know anything different, but it was an odd childhood. I also spent actually the first like seven years of my life on an island on Lake of the Woods. My parents owned a fishing resort. And so my sister and I just spent like the first, like she was there until she was like 10. And she would go to like this one room schoolhouse on another island where my dad would take her by boat. Um, and it was crazy. It's this whole That's thing. so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty wild, but it it was unique, and especially now that I have retrospect and like you you look at okay, this is where I am relative to the rest of the world. This is how I act relative to the rest of the world. It's just like oh my god, I grew up in such a bubble of weirdness. Just because when you're not exposed to you know high populous areas, you just become weird. Towns become. I mean, it's the only town and it's the only county in the United States without a stoplight. So I didn't even, I never even Wait, drove no, to stoplight until I was like 18 years old. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe like Alaska or something, but I think continental U.S. Pretty sure. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's really very rural. That's insane, man. Um, I didn't even, I, the, the, I think having coming from the small town thing, obviously this is like, I, I, I don't know how to put it but like extra small town um not having a street not having a street light just a bunch of four-way yeah. stops um yeah is, is pretty incredible but i mean to come from that and then go where you are today is pretty impressive i mean now you live in new york city which is a total like you you really flipped the script there um, yeah yeah but i did want to ask coming from minnesota we already talked about it a little bit. The whole Minnesota thing's exhausting, but I think maybe it is extra exhausting for you too, because you came, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but becoming, coming from the outskirts of what is like the twin cities and what is like the hockey culture down there. Maybe that's part of why it might be a little bit exhausting, but talking yeah, about, yeah. Talking about the tourney there, like what experience is that? Like, because obviously coming from, no offense, that little rinky-dink town to get picked up by a USHL team obviously probably came from being in the tourney, right, and getting scouted there. I actually never, I actually never won a single playoff game in my whole high school career. Our team was oh, terrible. No. <laughs> yeah, our team was terrible. We were like, 
this is kind of, it, I, I actually have thought about this a lot, but it, I was the guy who would face like 50 shots a game. I remember we faced Rozo, Minnesota. I had like 81 shots. That was the most I ever had. But that was like my whole career. Our team was terrible, but I would just, you just face all kinds of shots. Yeah, never, never had a goalie coach. I mean, obviously, even as a 92 and a 93, the goalie coaching now is so much more advanced and like prevalent than it was back then. So it's not that outrageous for me to say I didn't have a goalie coach, but mm -hmm. never had any formal coaching. But what I think that it did is ultimately it just taught me how to stop the puck, whatever it looked like, however it looked. And I do find that, you know, and, and there's all kinds of conversations about specialization, kids doing it too early too much, but they're, there are a lot of goalies I find now that are very cookie cutter of that. You have to do it this way. The goalie school style, super. I just learned to play goalie in a different way. And my first priority was to stop the puck. And mm -hmm. so I think that that really, really carries me through. Now I don't feel reliant on a goalie coach. I, I, I struggle with a lot of goalie coaches just because I, I, I just don't see the game the same way as they do. And I, and I don't know you, I mean, you probably speak to a lot more goalies than I do about stuff like that, but I just think that, you know, people can fall into that trap of you have to do it a X, Y, Z perfectly this way, but I just don't see goalie as it's really that type of position. Well, it's funny you bring that up because there is a top goalie in the NHL that we're finding out through, you know, uh, the grapevine. Yeah. Um, God, I'm so, I sound so stupid. Uh, through the grapevine, I'm we're finding out that like one of the top goalies in the league does a handful of minutes every week with his goalie coach. Top, and I'm talking like this would blow your mind, does not spend a ton of time with him. Now, my story is different right. from yours because I'm not a Calder Cup champ. I'm not like a seven-year pro. I played club hockey at Michigan State. That was the end of it. But like my thing was, you know, in our where we are, I guess, era coming up, like goalie coaching wasn't huge. My first goalie coach I got when I was like 16, 17, like was trying to teach me how to hop step, which for some reason I see coming back on like Instagram. I don't know why, but like the hop step and the crossover what? and my hands had to be like completely in front of me. And like the stuff they were yeah. teaching was bizarre, but a problem and a thing that did work for me and the same with you is, uh, Dominic Hoshik was in Detroit when I was coming, kind of coming up early years of high school. And that's where I just learned, like, do whatever you can. Stop the fuck. It doesn't matter. Skate. Do whatever you got to do. I probably flopped around and threw a lot of poke checks. Too many that my dad would really re regretted me watching him. But, uh, yeah. like, you just kind of learn how to do that. And after talking to Brzezgalov, um, who had a great career, like, you oh, look yeah. at what he did. A lot of people, like, have comments about Briz, But, like, when you look at how long he played in the league... It's impressive and coming from Russia where yeah. he was handed like mittens and, you know, old graph skates with no steel on them. He never had a goalie yeah. coach and he didn't have a goalie coach until like a couple years pro in the U.S. He just learned how to do it by being in wow. like I didn't know about that being about athletic. Um, he was just being an athlete and stopping bucks however he could. Yeah. And then he, he somehow got picked up and now he's playing. He was playing in the U.S. and played how many years pro? It's, uh, I mean, shame on you, Alex, yeah. for not listening to that episode of our podcast, but wow. it's neither here nor there. <laughs> but yeah, this is another guy, like no goalie coach. Look at how long yeah. he did it. Um, and we've well, had think, that discussion and, before too, like goalie yeah. coaches on Instagram. It's kind of like. Yeah. And I think, and I think to your point, 
is there's a level of the physical nature of it of, hey, you have to do it this way. But I think even more impactful and powerful is the, the mental side of it of I just taught myself how to play goalie. I taught myself how to effectively stop the puck. I feel so comfortable and most comfortable when I'm just relying on Alex Lyon. It's just like I know that in my I have it in here to be able to get the job done. And I find that with a lot of young goalies that I coach now is they go, what's the answer to this? What's the answer to this? How do I? And at the end of the day, I think just having that personal belief and identity is by far the most important thing in stopping the puck than any technical. The technical side is just like 10, 20% of it. I mean, I guess it's hard for me to say, because like we talked about earlier, I see my game in a completely different light just because I've been banging on it for so long. Mm -hmm. But I I think to be a super highly successful goalie, you have to be able to, all the best goalies have that inside of them. There's an it factor there. And the the other thing that you're kind of dancing around without saying it is you're not overthinking because when you've been hand, you've been told how to do this and you need to do this in your post play guy exits or enters the zone here, puck moves down low. You need to go into this position. You have to do that. You have to do this. And it's just, it's just given, given, all right, do this, this, and this. You've lost your freedom of thought when you're on the ice and you're out there for three periods and you know, you're on the sheet, you're in your crease and you're thinking, oh, you, all right, you got it. Like, yeah, that does maybe percentage wise give you better chances in certain situations. But at the end of the day, you got to be, you got to be tough mentally and you got to be able to have belief and have compete. And that's one of the things right. you kind of learn doing it on your own is just compete, do what you have to do with the skills that you've taught yourself and what you picked up watching, whatever, whoever, or just doing it on your own at the rink, like compete, do whatever it takes yeah. and then just be tough. You have to get through it. Right. So yeah. Don't overthink yeah, exactly. It. Yeah, exactly. That not overthinking it. And like you said, I think that it's interesting that you said that it factor. Cause I, I think that that's probably the best way to describe it. No, neither of us, nobody can really quantify that, but ultimately like that, that's what it is. And, and, even just guys coming into the AHL, seeing guys in the NHL, young goalies, you can tell immediately when they have that it factor. Like Kachikov is a perfect example, but you were around him a little bit there. Yeah. And it's like, dude, the second you, you meet that guy, like he doesn't speak very much English, but he's personable. And you can tell oh, yeah. right away. Great mm-hmm. guy. And it's like, dude, I, I want to play for this guy. I play with this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, that's something like <clears throat> the analytics. You could get a like somebody that knows all the stats, that knows the percentages, that breaks down you know chances of save or scoring area based on the six parts of the different like different parts of the ice, blah blah blah. Yeah, but yeah. You you can't. <clears throat> if I'm a scout and I'm a coach, I will take a kid that has grit, toughness, and like you can just see there's some swagger there. And yes. I'm gonna talk like people mix up swagger with being cocky and this and that, but a kid that has that just self confidence and toughness to get out there and do it, like you, you take that kid every time over a kid that <clears throat> right he's pitched a nine fifty like a one one point five and blah blah blah, because that kid who's played on AAA teams his whole life and always won tournaments and this and that when they get to face adversity and like they get to 
that next level, say it's the U show, say it's college where your talent pool got smaller and you're feeding out worse and worse, like, you know, players that don't belong. And now the pool is so much better. The level of the water is so much higher. Are you going to be able to still stand out? And if you don't stand out and you struggle, can you get through it? And kids with it factor, players with it factor, make it to the next level and keep moving on. People that don't have it don't. So. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it, it's, and it really is. It's crazy how quickly you can identify and see it in, in somebody or even just the way they play goalie. Mm-hmm. But there really is no way to describe it, but it's a real thing for sure. Um, Moving on. You went to Yale. I mean, you play in the USHL, but I, I want to ask about Yale. You did three years there. Like, did you finish your degree going through your first couple of years pro or is that, what, what are we doing? <laughs> no, <there? laughs> no, I have, uh, I have six credits left. That's two classes, right? Uh, we just do like one and one and a half credits, so it's probably like a semester. Oh, um, that's tough. I have one issue is that I you they require you to write your thesis on campus, so I have to physically be there, oh, which no. isn't an excuse because I only live an hour and a half from there. Oh, yeah, I um, guess, yeah, yeah. But... I don't know. It's it's a huge problem in my life, and I feel bad about it. But I also feel confident that I would like. I mean, it's just one of those things that I would I would like to get done for my own personal self. I don't really. I could probably get a job in hockey and be just fine, and you know, be that guy. But it's like I I take a lot of pride in that. I'm actually my dad went to Yale, my grandfather went to Yale, and his dad went to Yale as well. Oh, so, what do you so call like? There is you're a legacy. Yeah, big time legacy here. Legacy. Big time legacy. legacy. <laughs> I think they I think that Yale is very excited to get the Lion family out of Yale, to be <laughs> perfectly frank. But but there is that like familial pressure a little bit. And so I feel that. I mean, I I, I will finish it at some point. Yale has a uh unlimited time degree. Um, so I just I just need to do it and stop being lazy, I guess ultimately is the best answer. Well, uh, the thesis thing throws a wrench into the spokes there and your career kind of like that might get in the way a little right. bit. You might be a little busy. Um, but I well, mean, that's, that's the, I, I just, sorry, I just explained it to somebody, but it's like when you sign one contract, you're like, all right, I guess I'll be back in two years. Yeah. And then it's like, you get another one and then things just, the ball start, you know how it goes. The ball starts rolling and it's like, well, at the end of the day, the though, money, yeah, the money's there with each contract and each deal, but at the end of the day, you're turning 30 this year. Like, there's no rush because, you know, eventually for everybody, there comes right. a time when you're done playing and you can always go back. Like you said, Yale doesn't have that 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 time frame. So however long the thesis, you know, class takes, whether it's, you know, six weeks or whatever, you can go back, knock that out, blah, blah. There will come a time in your life where you can, you know, finish up and be like, oh, yeah, I got my, you know, degree from Yale. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I think, too, is like, I, I professionally, I would like to have it, you know, I, yep. I, I would like to achieve things professionally when I'm done. And, and so that's a big factor in that as well. Yeah. But there's no rush. Um, outside of playing there, there is a thing called the secret society. Now I don't know how much can be said or what secret. can be told, but like what, <laughs> uh, I mean, I've talking, uh, I've talked to Corbin Kaspersky about it. He gave me some insight and it's kind of cool. Like you guys have, there's like a week where you go out and you kind of get involved with it. And it's like, that's bigger than Greek life would be there, right? 
Yeah, Greek life is not. I mean, there there are three frats and three sororities, but they are. It's it's not a Greek life centric system. This the senior societies are awesome, interesting. I mean, they have giant like apartment buildings, basically, where they have a full time chef, full time maid. John Hayden, who actually he's just signed with Seattle. He's he's been in the league a little bit, but he was in like. Skull and Keys or uh, Skull and Bones is the big one. Yep. Um, but he was in one like that. There are three like major ones where all the presidents, blah blah blah, they all went to those three, and he was actually in one of those. But it's a lot more work than people think it is. Like, I don't. I actually don't even know if I should say it. I don't really care. They didn't invite me in, so. But like, <laughs> you have to like write write papers and like give opinions on certain topics and it's like almost taking i think that he said it's like taking a class and a half on top of hockey in school so it's it's a bit of it's a bit of work um but i think that's one of those things where it's like all right you grind through it for the dividends in the future ultimately yeah because like the whole point of being a part of it is like the network the connections all those kind of things being able to tell somebody hey like i need uh you might need a hit here or something like that. You might be able to pull some favors. <laughs> you need a body buried, right? You never, you just never know. <laughs> oh man. Um, bond, bond laundering mutt. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in on the, on the Yale secret society. Um, Berkey did want me to ask you about your major. What's, what's the story there? You're a poli sci guy, right? Yeah. Political science. This was mm-hmm. at a, a time when, politics didn't mean or wasn't nearly as divisive as it is now um (laughs) it was like it was it was uh but it was it was pretty easy to be um so what were we talking about here oh so you you picked poli sci because at the time you didn't have the political climate that we currently do today in today's day and age but uh i mean what are you gonna are you gonna finish out with poli sci then I think so. Yeah. Um, it's actually pretty interesting. So it was, it was a great timing because I learned about a lot of the things that are relevant today. Um, and kind of can apply them to the real world, which is pretty interesting. Like you learn a lot about trends and like, uh, environmental stuff. Um, just whatever, whatever it may be kind of all the hot button issues that we talk about now. Um, but back then they weren't cool things to talk about. They were just boring. So yeah, it's weird how things kind of work cyclically like that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's one of those understandings too, that I think is so huge because I don't, like you said, there, there's so many things connected based on what's happening in the country, environmental wise, resource wise, what someone has, what somebody needs that the, the web of things connects so tightly that it, a lot of people don't understand why things certain why certain things are happening. Um, yeah, and it's it's interesting to talk about. But before we start talking about uh, anything that might be decisive uh, amongst the pod, <laughs> I do want to talk about the big run this year. Congratulations! I don't think I don't think I yeah I don't think I told you that because I was gonna DM you on Instagram like right after it happened, and then I was like, oh yeah, no social media. And then I just got your number from Berkey. So congratulations on bringing home uh, the AHL Calder Cup. Like, uh, talk about an yeah. incredible run, an incredible team. I remember yeah. when I had seen you guys in Chicago when uh, uh, Pete got you know signed from Russia, 
And when I was talking to Shelf, shout out Shelf, the equipment manager, Ryan Schofer, incredible yeah, human Ryan. being. Um, boy. Never played a high school sport, but Calder Cup champion now. Uh, he yeah, never he played a high school sport. You didn't, didn't see that. that tweet. Yeah, yeah, he tweeted yeah. out. He's like, so much for a kid who never played high school sports. So um, <laughs> I was pretty pumped for Ryan. I'm like, just. Uh, I love that. Um, yeah, he's he's awesome. It was it was it was amazing. I mean, it was obviously, uh, it's not a Stanley Cup, you know. So I think get out in front of that before anybody tweets at you or says something of that nature. I understand that, but it it was awesome, and I think I think it was different. I think it was different for our team this year because Carolina did such a good job of building this American League team. I mean the you saw the you saw the guys we had in there, but go down the list. We probably had seven or eight guys that would have been the best player on a lot of different teams. And yeah. Carolina did a great job, especially after COVID. All those guys that were on the taxi squad who were a little bit undervalued, Carolina recognized that in the market and kind of scooped them all up into one place. Mm-hmm. Um, so like. Steph Nason, CJ Smith, Andrew Podorowski, Chatfield, uh, go down the line. Those were all guys that should have probably been making more money and are making more money now and will in the future. But just given the circumstances of what happened with COVID, they were all able to get them all in one place. And um, our yeah, our team was amazing. Obviously, the results speak for themselves. We won 50 games, dominant. I would say pretty much the whole year. Um, and then add, you know, Koch at the mix at the end there, Kochikov and uh, he really bolstered our team. So it was, it was, it was great. I mean, I've never, I've never won a championship before ever in my life or even really come close. So pretty unique experience. I mean, I know you mentioned it's not the Stanley cup, but I don't want you to sell yourself short on this shit because to win any sort of championship, so many things have to align and so many people have to be dialed in, whether it's your equipment guy, your trainer is dialed in on his team and his players and making sure that everybody's healthy or as healthy as they can be going into, you know, a big run like that. Um, yes. I think to win at any level, whether you're winning a state championship in high school, you're winning a tournament somewhere, you're winning a league, like uh, you want to talk about being the best at what you do at that level you guys truly are like it's it's an undisputed fact now um no it was it was sorry go ahead go ahead i just don't want you to sell yourself short like i get it what you're saying where where we're trying to defend ourselves but like holy shit like it's a call like you won yeah and the in the league that levels up into the nhl you guys were the very best so yeah no and and like you said i think I think the biggest thing is, and and like you said, go, talking about any type of championship is the commitment, and it's just you don't under. It's it's easy to overlook how long of a season it is. You're, I mean, we were there for two months after the regular season is over, and to just try and continue to bring your best for ten months is just a really difficult task. A lot more difficult than I had anticipated. I I consider myself a pretty mentally strong dialed in guy, pretty intense human being. But even, even that is just like towards the end, it just takes so much energy. Fly to Stockton. Yeah, it really does wear on you. And so that is definitely the part I'm most proud of is just 
everybody was com- so committed to winning from day one um, that then ultimately that's probably the reason that we won. I think um, the one thing I wanted to ask about the team and the setup and the vibe of the room is when I went and saw you guys, like when I said, when uh, coach, you know, coach came in, um, Ryan said, he's like, there's something here. Like there's, and you can feel it too. Like when the room and the, the team has just this incredible chemistry and you can feel the jam and there's not a bunch of like, I mean, there still always is, but there's not as many clicks and there's not as many certain groups of guys or the young guys are going to do this and that when you gel as a room, that's that team that goes deep. That's that team that wins championships teams that are broken apart and have a couple different working parts to it. Never win at all. Did you notice that you guys had that this year? I think, I think one thing that I was so impressed by all year is I don't think that we necessarily were the team that was like, Oh, we're all best friends and we're going to have FaceTime group chats, you know, for the rest of our lives about this moment. I think everybody collectively from day one was like, whatever we have that's bothering us is because obviously every team has interpersonal issues. Um, It's and like there's bad dynamics on every single team. I, I found this year, everybody was like, I am willing to put my ego aside or for the most part, I'm willing to put my ego aside for the betterment of the team. And that really, I think, is what carried us to the end of the day. And it's like, we we did have personalities in the locker room. Maybe that didn't mesh that well. But from the top down, especially like I think of a guy like Josh Levo, who I've never really been around a guy who had the ability to – he was probably – I mean, in a, you put him in a vacuum and he's maybe the best player on our team, just pure skill, speed, blah, blah, blah. But he really – was willing to put his ego away for the whole season. And just like that type of commitment and sacrifice is so huge for your team because you, mm-hmm. all the young guys all of a sudden have to put their ego away because he does. They have to be accountable because he is. And, and so I think of a guy like that, he was huge for the team. I mean, just go down the list. Obviously you have to have a bunch of great players to win, but, um, yeah, that, that made a big difference for us because I think that we were talented enough and we knew that we were talented enough from the beginning. It was just a matter of, all right, because there are a lot of teams talented enough to win. Look at Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. This team's talented enough. It's just if you're willing to sacrifice and put away your ego for the betterment of the team. So I thought that we did a really good job of that. That's, uh, I, I love the take. I mean, that's, it's interesting info and I think it's, like you said, when you take a guy like that who's able to lead and show like the young guys that are, you know, high end prospects that are hopefully going to play for Carolina or the big club soon. Um, and like, this is how we're going to get it done. It changes everything, right? Like, you have a different dynamic right. and you're not fighting each other. You're not fighting, you're not going against the grain and slowing yourselves down. Um, something that you did bring up already, and I got a little story, well, a very minor story about it. But uh, the the Chetkov effect, who, yeah. I mean, just for background, I don't know if we talked about this, but I've been talking to this kid, not this kid, well, he's a, an adult, but I've been talking to Peter since I met him at the Combine when he didn't speak a, a like, you think English Any was tough English. now? Like, zip. Right. He walked into the room, imagine. and we just looked at each other, and it was a wave and a high, mm-hmm. and then he said, like, Buviat or whatever in Russian. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be tough. Yeah. So we, you know, Me, iPhones. Yeah translate whatever and he looked at gear we mold him for the mask 
And we were kind of going back for the last couple of years about, hey, you need this. Do you need that? Do you have questions? Blah, blah. I can't really help you in Russia, but I can talk to the distributor. Blah, blah. He ordered his own mask. Great kid. Comes here. We get to meet. But um, the story I have about Peter that Shof gave me was, uh, and this is when I was there, um, Pete's big on playing the puck, right? Yeah. So I guess one time you were starting, Peter's on the bench, and you went to go like, you know, stop a puck, maybe make a play out and make a pass out for a breakout or something. Maybe been a, a little dicey, maybe a slight turnover, and you came back to the bench during a TV timeout. And you were just like, sorry, boys. Peter's just got me really horny to play the puck now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he is contagious. I mean, he's – because you see it a little bit, and you're like, yeah, I could do that. I could yeah. do that. Because, like, the physical tools, like, it's not that hard to zip the puck around. It's just, like, no. about the patience and decision-making at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, all, and honestly, like, how risky you want to get. Like, he's got a way bigger set of balls than I do for doing that stuff. But – I mean, I can't, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Peter, I can't speak highly enough of Peter. I've, I've said it to a couple of people now, but what a guy to be the age that he's at and to have the confidence and the ability and also the work ethic. I think that he's got a long special career ahead of him. Well, what, I mean, the personality that he comes with and the way certain players are was very surprising to me how like open and friendly and he's so excited and it's just whatever goes like, you know, like he just gets, it seems like he gets along with everybody from what I saw in the room. Like everyone's kind of coming in giving him shit and he's just laughing, having a time. Um, I think is incredible, but like it, from what I saw and what I understood, like it kind of gave you a second wind. You know what I mean? You're halfway through the year. I mean, I want to ask you about it, but you had some, not like up and downs, but like just some weird shit that happened throughout the season. Did he give yeah. you that second breath of like, oh no, this is going to be fun. Like, let's go for this push now. Well, definitely. I mean, when once he came, I I, I guess in the back of my head all year, I was like, all right, I'm, I just need to be prepared to like get us all the way through playoffs. I was kind of, because obviously you, we get around Christmas, we know we're going to be really good. And you kind of start thinking a little bit ahead. Um, and so in, in essentially the whole year, I was just like, I just need to be ready when the time comes. Um, and then when he came, but no, we didn't know he was coming, anything like that. Obviously, their season got shut down uh, after the Olympics. KHL mm-hmm. did. So he came over at that point. And we didn't know what we were getting. I mean, you well, it's just like it, you expect young goalies to not be that good because the jump – I, he came from the KHL, so it was different. But the jump from junior, college, whatever, is is massive. I mean, it's Huge. just massive. Yeah. yeah. And so we, you just assume that it's going to take time. And as you see with every every goalie, I mean, same same for me. But but he came and he was electric right away. You can see it in his personality right away. The way he plays the game technically is unbelievable. Um. And so it was a huge boost. And then, and then going into playoffs, um, we, I, I just, we, we both felt good about our relationship, about the way we work together. And so I was happy to have him play playoff games. I wanted him to succeed. I, I mean, I, I really, at the end of the day, just root for young, good goalies to flourish. And if he can flourish while I'm there, that's just a huge positive for me. I don't ever want to be competitive 
in that negative way. I think it's very healthy to be competitive, but in the most positive way you can be. And he also is of that mindset. And so we really fed off each other as the uh, second half went on. And it's just kind of like building blocks, right? Like you can now lean on each other because what we go through as goalies is completely different than anybody else in the room. What you're experiencing mentally, the weight you got to wear, like wins and losses, all that kind of thing. Now we're having a a teammate and that's another part of a championship team where you have a tandem that roots for each other and you're trying to build Mm -hmm. each other up. It totally changes things. But I do want to ask because you are a recipient of the Harry Holmes Award. um, Is that split with Peter then? No, no, I'm the solo half uh, award winner this year, and I'm oh. taking that to the bank. <laughs> Got to play minimum say. 25 games, <laughs> and I'm the only one. <laughs> oh man, that's un- unbelievable! So for a duo award, you uh, won it solo. That's big. Yeah, time. I won it solo. Yeah, big awesome. time. That's the. Uh, yeah. It's for everybody at home. It's uh, best goaltending in the AHL duo, but. Uh, Alex for part of the year was really, really just running on his own, I guess. So yeah, I'll take um, it. <laughs> now, um, I mean, there's there's so many things I do want to ask about. Um, get let's go into the finals, the ship. Um, you like you mentioned, it's you were rooting for Pete, but was it weird going like every other? Because me and Berkey were kind of like we were watching the finals and seeing who was playing, and it's like oh, like Lion went oh. Peter went like who are they going to go with moving forward because most of the time you look at like any Stanley Cup finals you, you they get a guy and then he runs right you might switch somebody mm-hmm. out to get him a get get your starter a breath but most of the time your starter's running did you like being able to kind of come in rested in a, like that next game that you would play um I I I, I didn't I didn't like or necessarily dis I I struggled a bit because I went every game in the first two rounds. And I found that really nice rhythm. I just felt so locked. I I felt unbeatable. And then Carolina lost. And I knew that Koch was coming down. So it was just tough for me to switch my mindset from I'm the man, I'm the starter to, because now all of a sudden you have to have two personalities in the locker room. And it's, Mm -hmm. and it's like, there's less ownership of the team. That, that being said, I think that's largely, part of being a good professional in my position if you're the third goalie in the organization you have to be where you have to be willing to wear a bunch of different hats and you have to be pretty good at it so i just it was difficult in that sense but once we kind of started to get rolling and we started to play really good against stockton about halfway through we struggled a little bit i struggled in the first game and we struggled a bit at the start and then once we started to get rolling, I think that we kind of knew. And then I played bad the first game against Springfield in the final. And Koch played the next three straight. But I knew that we were had one game left in Springfield and that I was going to get that game. And then obviously we won it on that last one. Um, and so it's just about it's just about balancing. And, and like you said, like you just – it's good to have both of those guys root for each other. And at the end of the, he actually told me, I think like at the end of the Stockton series, he just said, Alex, I don't care who plays. I just want to win. And, and that's that. And for, you know, like I think that way as a 29 year old, because I've taught myself to think that way, but for him to say that to me and to be that mature 
it just it really is motivating and when you have two and i felt like i was motivating him he felt like he was motivating me and that's that's just a great great dynamic to have yeah it's something special that's for sure <clears throat> now the question everybody's been waiting for the question everybody wants yeah, answers for let's do it you're in the the safest city in the u.s springfield mass beautiful town <laughs> wonderful place to hang out great great place to be great place to take the kids hang out get the casinos going you know it's springy um tough place uh tough 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 town um i mean we already got the suspension that's out of the way you got two games at the start of next season in the AHL. Whenever those games come, you cannot play. You got yep. caught with a, a couple. There's a double bird, a single bird. Um, there's a couple photos floating around. I mean, I love birds that. Flying had, <laughs> birds flying everywhere. Birds flying everywhere. We had this marketing scheme that you just kind of went for. And obviously, we're using you as a scapegoat to get Vaughn all over these, you know, Instagram and all these photos on the internet. We appreciate <laughs> really taking the fall for us. Um but for the people at home, Al, like what, how did it all shake down? Because I've, I've heard from yeah. a couple people, there were fans throwing stuff. There's just like some discrepancies uh, within the game itself in Springfield. How'd, uh, how'd this all happen? I guess, how'd it transpire? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I don't blame any fans. It has nothing to do with their behavior. I 1000% take full onus for it. So that's right off the bat. Um, and I think, and secondly, I told you this before the podcast and you've probably heard this from Muzz and from Shof, but that's kind of just how I am as a person, like on my day-to-day -day operating basis is I'm a little bit finicky. I'm very intense. And I just had a lot, a lot of emotions flying at that point in time. And I don't know, it just, to be honest with you, felt appropriate. And felt I knew that I was pushing the boundary a little bit, and yeah. I knew that I was putting my hand a little close to the flame. Um, but it just happened, and I feel like you know, I can't. Ultimately, it's just I. I guess the best way for me to describe it is it was twenty nine years of a lot of work and intensity, and that just felt like the best way for Alex Line to express himself in the moment. And like, I tell the photographer in Chicago all the time, I'm like, I want you to get a picture of me flipping the camera off. I think that would be so awesome. Um, and so I, it's a boring answer, but, but ultimately at the end of the day, that's just, that's just, that was the most pure expression of Alex Lyon. Yeah. Well, I like it, Alex. And thank you for giving us your, your take on this. And uh, the fans at home, I hope you love hearing the other side because it really is just that simple. That's all it comes down to. And that's what right. Shof did text me. Um, was like he didn't explain it and I didn't want to ask I don't want to pry. I don't, you know, I'm never that right, guy. Right. Because I don't want to like, yeah, we have access and we're behind the curtain, but I never want to be the annoying guy who's always asking for info and stories. But he did say yeah. he's just like line gets in his zone. And I didn't understand it at the time, but now that you we're talking, I get it. He's just in his zone sometimes and it's just he's he's locked in and that's the mood he's in. So right. But right. speaking of Shof, he had nothing but great things to say about you. He said, like, you're one of the most low-maintenance players he had on the team this year. As long as you had <laughs> as long as long you had what you needed, you were, you were dialed in. But he did tell me that you've been in the same skates for two years. Like, that's – you're a mess. How do you do yeah. that? 
Yeah. Well, Brandon Elliott's been in his skates for like eight years. So I still got a little bit of runway. That's ultimately (laughs) where I learned it from. I don't know. I just, I don't, I like old skates. Uh, Ryan is the man. Also, just for anybody listening to the podcast, equipment managers are the absolute lifeblood of every professional hockey team. So let's just, equipment managers and medical staff, massive shout out to those guys. Massive shout out to Ryan Schofer. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, when it comes to gear, I try to be as low maintenance as possible because I just think that if I'm comfortable, I'm that's where I'm going to feel my best. The other side of that is I want to be on the absolute best side of the equipment manager that I possibly can be. So yep. that's just my goals in a locker room. I want to be on their good side. If you keep I, t- I say this all the time to the young guys. You keep the equipment managers happy, you're happy, you know? Well, because you ever get in a pinch and you do need something, you never want to yeah. catch them on a bad day and then you be the pain in the ass that they already don't want to deal with. And now they're throwing right. sticks at you, right? They're throwing steel out the door. It's uh, It never goes well. Did you ever do anything to help grease the wheels with Ryan? Like some coffee, maybe some IPAs? Maybe a uh, you know, I'm not, or two. <laughs> I'm not really a gift. I'm not really a gift guy. I do. I think that he would say this too. I I try to I try to go in like once once a day, once every other day. Just say, "How's it going? How are you doing?" Because I think ultimately those gear guys, and you know this better than anybody, but they work so incredibly hard that I just don't want to make their life any more difficult than it has to be. And that's and they just those guys just. Like they work 50 times as hard as any player. And so I, I don't know. I just have a lot of respect and appreciation. I also, as a goalie, like you said, I mean, goalies just deal inherently by the nature of the position with those guys so often. Yep. So it's just important to have a good working relationship with them. The other thing um, that a lot of people don't realize, and this is for everybody, all the listeners, um, equipment guys at the pro level, depending how big your staff is. AHL is usually only too deep. Um, Coast, typically you're running with one. NHL, you're a little deeper because of the NHL and the budget. But AHL guys, either the the uh, your, um, your head guy or your assistant, somebody's waiting when away teams come in at the rink till 3, 4, 5 in the morning to get that other team off the bus you know, they go to the ho- they drop the players off the hotel. Who's going to unpack those bags? Who's helping the other equipment guy? If they come in wet, they got to bang out laundry. There's so many intricacies that go into the game, and yes. goalies are usually, you know, some aren't, some are typically first ones there, you know, last ones to leave. Your equipment guys yeah. are always there at the crack of dawn, and they're not leaving till everybody else is out the building. So right, right, yeah. So it's good. It's good to be just friends with them on on a personal level. Uh, yeah, and, and AHL is the weirdest spot because you expect any I mean, we I don't expect it, but they they try to give you NHL treatment with AHL resources. Yep. And which and for people that don't know are two very, very different levels. <laughs> They're very different things. They're the budget's completely different. Like you said, when you have four or five people on staff, it makes a huge difference. But that's how they ultimately get move up in the world is you you know somebody, you do a great job, you hear a recommendation, they say it's just like word of mouth, basically. So those guys are forced to eat their tongue a lot. And I'm sure that Ryan would love to just snap on multiple guys in a locker room, but 
I mean, Ryan was one of the most professional people that I've ever been around. So yeah, he's, he's a great guy. He's going to be in the NHL soon. I hope. Absolutely. You and me both. Um, God, where was I going to go with this? I did want to ask something about something. Oh, so just to bump the Vaughn stuff a little bit, I'm not going to take credit for a championship, but this year you finally, you and Bert, like me and Berkey finally got you into a new glove (laughs) because you were using a 9,500 glove. That was the old T9500. It was started off as the vision, had a bunch of spec changes to it. You know, Lion, you were in it for all the years in Lehigh. And it wasn't up until this past fall you fully tried a brand new, like totally different glove, SLR three. I mean, in the in the elite prospects, they talk about how great your glove hand is. I mean, there's got to be something to the equipment there, right? It's funny. I think that they actually wrote that summary when I was still in CCM. So maybe I should think about switch. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, but it works. It works both ways. Like the equipment, I think, because like I just want to be as low maintenance as possible. But then it like works against you, where you guys come in and you're like we really don't want to make these gloves anymore. Can you think that we can switch you out? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't care. But I loved, I loved, loved the new glove that you gave me. I wish I would have switched earlier. Honestly, it actually gives me some inspiration to try some more new stuff to see if there's any good equipment. But I just, I, I don't, I like to think about my gear as little as possible. Well, it's yeah. one of those things you just, it's another mental thing that like you don't want to get hung up on exactly it's just like the social media you either have to go all in or all out with gear like you have to be so obsessed with it anthony stolars i was his glory partner for a long time yeah he's so (laughs) dialed in the gear so and i love it i love him for it because he's like my other half but i i just ultimately at the end of the day it makes me worse at goalie when i'm like oh i'm thinking about this i'm thinking about this this matters too much this it's like no i have the ability to stop the puck oh i'm gonna go out there and stop it I do. I don't. I don't think I ever told you this when I was in Chicago to see it. Um, but we had posted a video. I don't know how we got it. If Berkey found it, Twitter or something. Carolina's training camp. You were there. You were in the brand new SLR three all white pad, and there was a little sequence. It was like a warm up or whatever, like beginning to skate, and you just slid through, and you know it had great seal. It showed how well the pad worked and everything. Oh, yeah. Obviously, every I time I go to post this. it. I try to tag you and stuff and you're, it's just never there. And the <laughs> amount of kids yeah. after it was posted for the whole season, I would occasionally like once a month, get a kid that would, you know, send us the clip and be like, Hey, who is this? What pad is this? You like, you blew up the SLR three pad, which is really you know, just, well, we appreciate, we appreciate how good you look. <laughs> well, it's crazy. I mean, yet, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we can get into this much bond promotion, but like, it's i've never so when i was in high school i wore simmons for like one year just because i needed a set of gear and they were like the bond you know second Mm -hmm. knockoff and i had and i actually had probably the best year of my career senior year i had like a 955 for my high school team i was unbelievable yeah but i was like man if i could because the ushl you have to use reebok or we did at the time yep yep i don't know what they are now so then in college i was like i don't know I'm going to switch it, blah, blah, blah. But I finally got back in a bond my second year and the seal, the rotation and the weight are the three biggest things for me. Lightest pads, most consistent seal, most consistent rotation. No questions asked. No questions asked. I don't know. You probably, I mean, you have to feel that way, but I genuinely feel that way. 
Well, we appreciate most responsiveness for sure. I mean, also give credit where credit's due. You guys were the first ones, and this is why I switched in the first place. The exact reason you guys had from the knee block down to the middle of the calf that strap that like yeah. nice the RSU strap. strap. Yep, yep. Oh, oh my goodness! Locks you Genius. in, baby. You guys changed. I mean, that changed everything. Yep. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's funny. There's a lot of people that have tried to recreate it and uh, and kind of tweak it's it. Hilarious. So it's funny. Um, I'm not going to nice. mention any specific brands, but you see some of the copies of that, and it's pretty bad. <laughs> yep. Um, I wanted to know. Uh, congratulations! You've signed, you know, with the new squad. Um, now you're you're with Florida and everything. For people at home, what is that like going through that process? Obviously, like you're with the Carolina system. You're not just with Chicago. You guys just want to call their cup. Um, things are going well, but obviously, when that happens, whenever an AHL team wins, suddenly everybody gets, you know, all of the players on the team start getting more eyes on them. So people want right. to pluck them from the system, and boom, you know, like we'll sign you here. We'll give you a little bit more money. Blah blah blah. So things kind of dissipate. But what on your side do you, do you go through? looking at like your next option and then ending up in Florida. Yeah. Well, last year was my first year of true free agency. And so that was a, and so that was a bizarre experience. It's just like the the further you get into it and the older you get, the more your priorities change. All of a sudden you're thinking about family and like security and not that it necessarily changes the process so much, but in terms of Florida, I think the things that really attracted me were uh, a great NHL team. I think a lot of goalies make the mistake of chasing uh, money rather than success of an organization or a team. So for me, when I go into a free agency, I think of quality of organization and quality of people. If you can go into a place of business with people that you trust, that's like to me like 80% of the battle, no matter what the business is. And so that was important for me. Money, obviously, massive factor. Um, but I have a very good relationship with the GM of the Panthers, and I just think very, very highly of him. And so that ultimately swayed my decision. Well, that's awesome, man. I uh, yeah. We're all excited for you. I mean, Sunshine State, and then, you know, you got Bojangles Arena in Charlotte, which is an unbelievable time. So it's not bad, uh, not bad a little spot. No, it's Charlotte's a lot of fun, and the staff there in Florida uh, from the equipment side, and uh, and Charlotte, they're they're incredible guys. So big fans of them. Um, outside of that, that's all I have on hockey talk. I mean, is there anything that I missed for you to talk about your career and things to brag about and how great you are? No, no. I think that the best way to sum it up is I'm just kind of a normal, like, boring guy that happens to be able to like effectively stop the puck, and so. I just hope that I just I just hope that people you know feel related. They can relate to hockey players. I just yep. I think that that's missing a lot. And I guess if there's one thing that I do wish that I could say, it just they all just like professional athletes are just like normal people who are good at you know like shooting hoops or whatever. Yep. Right. I think though the one thing that hockey players do get a lot of credit for is they're more re- like communities whether it's at a junior level in the null or the u show or pro or college communities always seem to tie to hockey teams once they start getting involved and then fans start to realize oh how like down to earth players are hockey players are yeah no it's true yeah for sure um 
Lion, do you watch Stranger Things? No, I don't. See, okay. I have actually. I've seen the first two seasons. I've seen the first two seasons. It's pretty good. I do like Stranger Things a lot. All right. Well, you got to catch up. Um, you are a YouTube guy, so this question hits. Would you rather, if you had to be one for the rest of your life? Um, yeah. Would you, if you had to be one for the rest of your life, would you rather be a TikTok influencer or an asshole YouTube kid? And what I mean by asshole YouTube kid. <laughs> Are those young, like I'm sure you've seen it, young kids that like all their content is like going into McDonald's and just being a menace and like jumping oh. on things, like standing on counters and stuff. And then they get kicked out and yeah. they're like, well, why are you going to be a Karen and kick me out? Or you go to Walmart and they start like pushing over shelves and making a mess. If you had to be I one of those. They suck. They suck. I would definitely rather be a TikTok influencer. I think okay. being an influencer is the greatest job in the world. Like, you don't think that there's a mental creative pressure on the other side that like would be kind of like overwhelming? Oh, I think I think it's way more difficult than anybody gives it credit for. It's like when everybody goes on YouTube and is like, "Oh man, I could start a YouTube page." Like I, I've I've tried to start like five YouTube pages. I personally <laughs> have tried to start like five YouTube. I will never tell you how to access them because they're hidden forever. But it's it's hard. It's a lot of hard work. But that being said, like if you can if you can just like figure out how to do it everything is if it's repeatable you know but it would be very difficult that creative side not enough credit well that's where like sometimes i go through like these lulls where i'm like man i just don't have it like it's not clicking like what are we going to ask him like we got to come up with something interesting but i do want to ask don't we're not going to find them but what was your content based around was it based around hockey were you like building things was it about finance (laughs) what were you doing no no it was I'll tell you one. I, I'll tell you one. This one's pretty interesting. I've made like three or four Instagram. So this is an Instagram one. I tried. I tried okay. to become like anonymously digitally famous okay. just to like see if I can do it. But like, oops. But I but I tried to like create art out of like avocados, and I tried to like call it avocado art, and I would like uh, uh, really poorly like Photoshop them with like clothes on and stuff like that, and try to make it funny and interesting. <laughs> That's awesome. It was terrible. I mean, it was so bad. And I look back now and it's so embarrassing. But I think it's important to try things, even if it's embarrassing every once in a while, put yourself out there. You have to take swings because if you never yes. take swings, you'll never get hits. And the cool part is it is just it's a it's a way to like express yourself and learn something yeah. and like create a hobby and just maybe that's maybe avocado art isn't it, but if you learn how to Photoshop, if you learn how to do something else, that's like you know, the, yeah. the road veers off and now we find something new. And I always feel good when I try. It's like, you just, what, what's wrong with trying and failing? It's fine. Yes. Fail I mean, all the time. Fail upwards. Um, Like those super like macho alpha guys. Yeah, I fail upwards every day. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's what I want to be. That's, that's who I should, that's what I should turn B2P in till. Um, now this is kind of like only a New York, maybe a city thing. Um, okay. What is stupider buying vintage? These things aren't comparable. I just had to throw something together before we did this. What is stupider buying vintage clothing or leaving hate comments on social media? And I'm talking when you talk like vintage clothing, you know what I'm talking about? New York city where like you walk in and you see that dirty Dale Earnhardt jr. T-shirt, like the racing tee, and they'll have it up there for like 70 bones. It's nuts. Yeah. And then you see like a, uh, or you know what, you know what really gets me and it's Carhartt. I don't understand Carhartt. Because like I think the Carhartt clothes are unreal. I think they look yeah. sweet. I think the style is awesome. Good. But I grew up, and you probably grew up. Carhartt was like, 
That's blue collar, baby. Blue collar work, and now like there's like it's a influence. fashion. Yeah, it's a, it's fashionable a fashion thing. brand. That's so a it's D- like, yeah, that's a Detroit brand, Alex. Better recognize. amazing blue collar <laughs> brand. But now it's all of a sudden it's white collar. I'm just like, what? What? What just happened? Yeah, but it totally. It flipped to, on its head. To answer your question, I think that people who leave negative comments online are. I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. But yep. I understand that there are people of all brands in the world, and that's just how things shake out. Uh, I just next can't. One. I just can't think about devoting time of my life to intentionally make somebody else feel bad about their themselves. Yeah. Just to send hate. It's insane, and especially anonymously yeah. too. Like it's one thing, like. Yeah, you're doing it from your Weird. own account. So somebody can kind of like fire back at you, but to do right. it like completely anonymous, anonymously through a fake photo and a fake name is like bizarre. It's bizarre. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, it's bizarre. Next question here, Al, is dream experience. What, like, do you have a dream experience in life? And for example, I said, like, seeing cherry blossoms in Japan. There's a lot of people want to see oh, that. Climbing a mountain. Cool going to an underground rave in Germany, flying into space or saving and seeing turtles in the like Maldives. Do you have a dream experience in life that you've always wanted to like go do? I'm just trying to think really hard. Uh, If I can pick a dream experience, I'm really fascinated by the ocean. And I've always thought it would be cool to be down in one of those little pods, like 500 feet below the surface of the ocean. No And just to see what's down there. I would love no, that. No, that's like that is one of the most terrifying things to me. Like the things that live <laughs> in the depths of the ocean and the darkness. You see photos of it. They're, they still say there's like yeah. a shark that's from prehistoric or a wh- is it a whale or a shark? Yeah. There's some sort of like existing, not sea monster, but sea life that is a shark or a whale, something huge that's been existent since like prehistoric times almost. Yeah, yeah. No, they, I I no. just read about this. It's called the coelacanth. There is one that's called the coelacanth. They just found it like ten years ago in Iceland or something, and it's like they didn't realize it exists. And they were like, "Well, we didn't even know this species existed." And it's like, "Well, what else is down there? It could be anything." No, see, that's so. It's scary. awesome. I I love that. I love it. <laughs> Terrifying shit. Um, Lion, you got any hidden obsessions? And I, I listed as examples, superheroes. Yeah. Some people get into anime, model planes, uh, Dungeons yeah. Dragons, car stamps, chess, art, avocado art, food, anything that like you really, people don't know about that you love. I have two major obsessions and I just filled, I, football, NFL football is my number one biggest obsession. I really, I have watched Colin Cowherd every single day, Mike Florio podcasts can't literally cannot consume enough nfl content and uh the second is f1 and i just got into it with drive to survive i don't know if you've seen that that's the opener for everybody is drive to survive unfortunately i'm one of them but now it fills in my off season for football and i am obsessed with it i find it so interesting f1 movie what's that movie with the guy um no, um, Nikki Lauda, the burnt, yeah, yes. Uh, I watched that movie about Nikki Lauda and the Rush. what's it called? Rush, Rush. with yeah. I think it's Brad Pitt, right? He's the other guy, yes. Incredible, Incredible movie. movie. I'm not, yeah. it, it didn't get me hooked into F1. Like, I got so many other, I don't know, my my life's weird, but well, I, I think I, I think Americans too just kind of have an odd taste in their mouth. No. The, the assistant in Charlotte, 
the assistant equipment manager loves F1. One time we were there for really? a training camp and he had it on and he was talking about all the racers and this and that. I'm meeting more yeah. and more people that have F1 obsessions that I'm like, this thing is, it's slowly blowing up in the US. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Drive to survive. It exploded it. Definitely. Um, who's your team? Vikings? You're a Vikes guy? Huge Vikings fan, but I just that's love, tough. I love, I like, it is tough. <laughs> well, you're, you're a Lions fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's like being a fan of like you can't be a diehard fan of the Lions. You just got to expect to what you were going to expect. Like if you think we're yeah. going to go out there and go to the to the playoffs this year, you're nuts. But right. if you like to like watch them win and like watch the way they lose, it's hilarious. It's just what I'm expecting. Right. Like I never expect the Vikings to compete or win a championship. I just <laughs> expect them to be between to win be, between seven and twelve games, go to the playoffs, maybe be interesting, but probably lose out dramatically. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. My life's great. My life's great. But for, for but I'm with you for sports fans that get upset. It's like you're gotta set your expectations in the right spot. Yeah, yeah. Like like the Wings fans right now, right in Detroit, are all like, "Oh, we're going to the Cup this year. We're going deep in the playoffs." I'm like, "We're still like, yeah." I will admit, Mistake. Steve Eiserman like did make some interesting moves. There's pieces that just weren't there, and we weren't like no one was really expecting going into the fall. But like, right? What? There's like a three, four year build here still. Like you're nuts. So yeah. Well, like, all, but like there is, like, if you simulated it a hundred times, maybe there's like the one time that they win the Stanley Cup. But it's yeah. just such a small chance. Yeah. It's kind of like but, in 1980. If you played that team ten times, they might win nine, but not tonight. <laughs> tonight is our night <laughs> but tonight the red wings probably won't this year they probably won't win but maybe in a few years they're definitely on their way yeah. what, what's all right let me ask you this what's the over under for wins for the red wings this season um i mean anything's better than what was it two years ago when they came up with like 20 that was that was a that real was tough. People weren't going to like, and LCA just built like that was the brand new arena. Yeah, People yeah. weren't going. It was like you know they had all the red seats. They flipped them to black because at Pistons games you could see how empty the arena was. So they actually oh, really? they built the arena with all red seats. <laughs> they had to flip them to black halfway through. I think it's the lower the lower bowl is black. The upper bowl is still red because you can't see that on TV. No way! Wow, I didn't know that. It's crazy. I mean, I'd love to see a little bit over 500 for the Wings would be huge, but like there's so many question marks in terms of the D side still where and where like kind of goaltending is going to be. I love love that they picked up Huso. I'm a huge uh, believer in Ned. I think there's, again, the fan thing like Ned came here. He had, you know, he did so well, blah, blah, blah. And now we get this and it's like, yeah, but Carolina was in a team that was built you're sending a guy into the fire on a team that's in a rebuild. What do you think? Like, like I, right. my my case in point is always like, if we brought Carey Price here, do you think he's going to tear it up? Do you think the wins, Wings win the Stanley Cup? No, he's still going to no. struggle because he's seeing the same odd man chances and tough amount of shots every game. So it's just you know like you got to try to like explain to people in in the easiest way possible. But right, um, something they're going to be good. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Right, I'm ready for the next one. So you haven't seen this on TikTok, but there's haunted haunted houses, haunted haunted houses now, uh, where like, and I've seen these everywhere on TikTok at least, where they have people like chasing you, and they have like somebody with a chainsaw chasing you, or clowns, and they're popping up out of places, and you can hide. And I don't know what the objective is. If you're supposed to get in and out without like getting caught or whatever, would you ever do something like that, line? 
Yeah. I actually did uh, do a very authentic haunted house in Philly when I was there. But I just, I'm the guy that like struggles to buy into situations like that. It's like, you know how you have to oh, say. Oh, you're the you overly wanted... logic guy. Like, no, yeah. this isn't yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's painful for me. Or it's like, we'll be watching, like, my girlfriend's actually listening to me right now while I say this. But we're watching Peaky Blinders and she just okay. gets so stressed about it. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a TV show. So he, he can't die. There's going to be another show because we have four seasons left. Yeah. Like, what are we talking about here? So I'm, I'm that guy. So it's just difficult for me to do things of that nature. Okay, so you're not, you're fearless. I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely scared <laughs> of a lot of things. But <laughs> failing, that's yeah. one thing I'm really scared of, you know, stuff like that. Failure, terrified of failure. What about heights, roller coasters? Heights? Uh, heights actually don't scare me. Roller coasters don't scare me. But what scares me is when I get too close to an edge, I feel like I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna tip over. Yeah. Do you get that? I I'm terrified that's, of heights. So that's yeah. scary. Like, what's like, the highest that you can? What's the shortest you can be? Um, in the air? No, like I can go up and I can do the buildings. I can look over the edge, but I don't like my. Le- I'll get the jitters if we're at like the top. Like you see, kids do the top of the building thing where they sit over the edge, like in New York, and they're like sixty stories up. I'd re- yeah. I'd, I'd rather you cut off one of my feet than have to like <laughs> sit there for 30 seconds because all right. my brain is thinking of is like, you're going to fall off and you are going to, you're going to die. You're going to die. And halfway down, you're going to be like, man, you're such an idiot. And then you're just going to fall. That's all it's going to be. 64 is me falling halfway through. You uh, realize, man, I'm still falling. Why aren't you more athletic? How did you slip? And now you're splat. Right. Like imagine on the way down, you were just thinking like, Man, I I wish I was more athletic. This is yeah. this is this is the reason I'm in this position. My last this is embarrassing. Damn it! <laughs> oh man. Um, would do you have any thoughts or hot takes on fake kiss cam bits that you see? Yeah, I think it's weird. I don't know. I think they're so bad, right? Like, they, like you can I tell. Think it's like, weird. Once it goes viral, and like she like kisses the other guy. And you can tell, like, like you can tell when people are being authentic on Kiss Cam, and then like yeah. they're real humans, and then you can tell when they're acting, and it's so polished, and they're like, "Oh my god, yes. I can't believe I kissed that guy." Yeah, awful. It's the worst. It's and staged. The, I hate staged stuff. I hate it. And it goes viral every time, though. Every time, because it's he, like even I click on them. It's like I. It's like you look at it, you read the title, you're like, I know what this is going to be, but I fake. have to watch it. But yeah. I have to watch it. That's just so, 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 that is literally is, is society in 2022. Yeah, I don't want. Guess what happens next? Dot dot dot. Well, I know what happens, but I gotta click the video. I gotta do it. Pulls you in. Um, learn today. You're a big YouTube guy. You spend three four hours on YouTube, just you know flipping well, through. Maybe like, maybe like 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> Probably more like three four hours. Yeah. Um. Do you ever get into like? We were talking about this at the tournament this weekend. Do you ever watch like blackhead zit removals? Oh yeah. I'd love stuff like that. Picking scabs. Oh man. That really gets me going. I mean, it's not like from what I learned this weekend, like I, uh, that's kind of gross, but like, to it's me, gross, at least, but... but a lot of people, like we, we were talking with the boys this weekend. A lot of guys, like, like people just watch that stuff. Like they're like, Oh, this is fascinating. I just you know, find like, it. I like it for the satisfaction of it, of like, you know, when you, 
really pop a good zit and you're just feel so proud of yourself and then that's why i like recreating that experience but like the actual thing like i don't like blood or anything like that i don't like bodily fluids that stuff yeah. grosses me out yeah. but i just like the satisfaction of it well they were talking about like when you when you see a video and they they get an ingrown hair and it's like three feet long and it's like how long has this been growing in here this is disgusting that's yeah, that like that me gives out. me the heebie-jeebies so hair hair is gross Here's weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, Lion, if you could own any franchise in the world, what would it be? And the reason I ask this question is I've been thinking a lot. I don't know if I would rather have a McDonald's or Starbucks because whenever you're in any city or small town or you're just off the freeway, what is always busy? Starbucks, McDonald's. Oh, so you're looking at it from a profitability standpoint. Absolutely. See, I'm looking at it from like, where would I want to eat for free every day the rest of my life? <laughs> and I'm thinking like, what if you own like a Perkins or like a Denny's? That would be pretty sick. And you just rolled in there every day, got a nice. Actually, those are those are both hard grade. I think if that I, if I had to choose, Starbucks would be a good one. McDonald's would be a good one. Like Jimmy John's would be pretty good. Um, Chick Fil A. Make pretty a lot nice. of money. Make a lot of money. Make you got a Sundays off. Make a lot of money. <laughs> um, don't know if I Chick Fil A's got some questionable things going on there, but <laughs> they are pretty profitable. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a different subject, and I, I we don't have that many listeners to where I could get canceled for this, and I'm completely um, pro. It's fine. I got, it's getting canceled is fine. It's fine. I, it, I, I guess what it is at this point, but like I'm very pro LGBTQ. Um, you everybody's entitled to whatever they want to do to live their life I'm but on tiktok there's been very funny videos where people of the community um end up going to chick-fil-a and then people start to question like you know you can't do this this is totally against what you do <laughs> father's like they're so right. anti-lgbtq she's like yeah but man that cob salad and i'm like All right. <laughs> <laughs> you got me you got me yeah it is what it is um sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do that's it you just got to get her done. Um, Alex, obviously you're a pretty intelligent guy. I was wondering, do you have any funny, weird conspiracies that you've ever gotten into? Um, no, I actually don't have. I am an anti-conspiracy, anti all. The only conspiracy I have is that I have a lot of questions about Avicii's death. And Whoa. I just think that, dude, you got the world as your oyster. All of a sudden, Avicii you know rest in peace if he did it committed suicide no joking around with that so let's just make that clear after that but haven't heard anything about him for a long time usually people like that stick around in the news a little bit yeah, so i'm just true. saying if there is one that could potentially be out there but in case avici's dad is listening to this it's all good i didn't all i don't respects. mean it like that all, all respects, respects. Um, yeah, it's a tough spot. I mean, I've been that way. Uh, the Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park that raised a lot of question marks for me. I mean, there was like immediate like news going around it, so I was like, Oh, like I was a huge Lincoln Park kid growing up, so that was uh, that was tough. RIP Chester, there's a, but there's a, there's a couple good videos on YouTube about Ray Charles not actually being blind if you're ever in, you're looking down, go down that rabbit hole. So yeah. that's the one where like somebody like they were doing that, like. Uh, I, what do you call that? I don't know. Where like twenty people are singing a song together, and he was up there with them, and somebody bumped the mic. What would he do? Yep. Boom, boom, 
grabs it, dude. He's watching a basketball game. He's following the play the whole time. Like, well, I'm not saying anything. Again, all respect to the man. But oh, there's some there questionable is, actions there. There's something going on here. Something fishy. Yeah. So, um, no, I think I think most conspiracies are just made up. I actually learned this a few years ago. It's called Occam's Razor. I don't know. You probably know what this is, but it's just nope. the most logical outcome is like 99.99% of the time what actually happened. And I okay. just kind of subscribe my life to that, Occam's which is razor. I find to be true. What, the idea what, that in trying to understand something, getting unnecessary information out of the way is the fastest way to the truth or the best explanation. Okay. Right. So it's like, why even bog myself down with conspiracy theories when it's just like what probably happened and what commonsensically happened is most likely probably what happened. Well, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah. Alex, you obviously don't have any social media for us to follow you at. Um, do you want to plug your most recent YouTube or Instagram uh, exploration uh, hobby? No, no, <laughs> no, no. I'll come. I'll do Vaughn podcast anytime. I'll, I actually do would, and I have to talk to you about this, but like, I do think a legitimate like showing technical ways to do things as a goalie. I think that the world needs that, and I think that the hockey community needs that because I think that there's a severe lack of very high quality goalie teaching going on out there. But that's probably a conversation for another time and place. Um, mm. So my message to the world is just, if you see me, don't talk to me. Don't try to find me on social media. <laughs> just leave me alone and we're all good. <laughs> I'm just a private guy. Alex is just on his own. Um Yeah. Hey, have a great rest of your summer. I'll see you at training camp. If you need anything, obviously give me or Berkey a holler. Thank you so much for doing this and taking the time to sit down and chat and BS and talk about the double birds and uh, conspiracies <laughs> and uh, your lack of fear of haunted houses just through your tough nail gun logic. Um, right. We appreciate it, Lion. Congratulations on your cup. Congratulations on signing in Florida, and we'll see you soon, all right? All right. Thank you. Thanks for supplying my goalie gear. You the man.